we shall see Jesus Wednesday morning I woke up with this song I don't know if it happens to you from time to time but you wake up with a song and somebody said if you if you want to stop the song you need to sing the end of the song and I tried it a few times and it couldn't work but it was all the time we shall see Jesus and I testified about this on uh, on Friday evening I went to the gym before we come to the road I just want to say to you I went to the gym uh, that Wednesday morning and swimming and I, it's an indoor swimming pool and there was only a Chinese fellow on the other side of the pool and I got out and I sat down and the song was just welling up in my heart and, and I don't know if you've been in an inside swimming pool there's good acoustic there you know you don't need a mic it sounds good in there and I wanted to hear it and I couldn't keep it back and I started singing pull out man we shall see Jesus and this man on the other side put around me. what's going on here but I finished the song <laughs> brothers and sisters the Christian life is not dead it's alive and don't be ashamed don't be ashamed of it I went into the steam room and as I sat in the steam room I don't know if you know but there's good acoustic in the steam room if it's only you it's only you and uh, the Chinese guy was still in the pool but I just went out for a failure I just pulled out with this good big South African Kiwi Aussie accent voice volume I sang that song and brothers and sisters let's praise the Lord we shall see Jesus just as they swim let me ask you the question are you looking forward for his coming yes. Yes. are you ready are you ready? But if you pass away in the next five minutes and you open up your eyes and look into the eyes of the Son of God, do you know what kind of eyes you're going to look in? It's going to be blue, brown? No. The Bible says it's flaming. Fiery eyes. You know why they're fiery? Because fire in the New Testament is judging. You say, but my sins are being forgiven. Yes, you're right. But your works that you do after you were saved will be judged. What have you done all these years since you've been saved? What have you done? Oh, but I've seen a lot of things. I know. Me too. But what have you done? Oh, but it's not a works-based religion, preacher. Yes, I know. But what have you done? Have you reached out to your family? Have you reached out to your friends? Have you proclaimed it? See, I want to talk to you today about Peter's words. He said, He commanded us to preach. That is Peter's words. Are you here today to hear the word of the Lord? Yes. Are you here to hear the word of the Lord? Yes. Well, I'm not going to disappoint you. I'm just going to give you the Lord's word this morning. Amen? Amen. We're going to look at Acts chapter 10 today. And as you know, over the last few weeks, I've been talking and over the last few months about the, the power of the Holy Spirit. God's power versus willpower. A lot of people are trying to serve God in willpower. A lot of people. The church is full of people serving God out of willpower. You know, people even come to church out of willpower. 
I'm going to will myself to get out of the bed. I'm going to will myself to brush my teeth. I hope you do. But I'm going to will myself to wash my face. I'm going to will myself. And then next Sunday it's the same thing in the Sunday after. Man, I want to say if you will so much, stop willing and stay in bed. Because you need to start operating in God's power. And if you, I'm not going to preach the, all those sermons, it's all on, the, on, on the, uh, YouTube, so on the net, go and listen to them. But a lot of people are trying to do this in willpower. And we started preaching through this and we came to the words or the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And as you know, over the last few weeks, we looked into the miracle of tongues, speaking in tongues. And again, you can go and look at that next week. But the second part of that falls in Acts chapter 10. And I want to talk to you about that today. But when I prepared this, and when I sat before the Lord and prayed through the scripture, and more scriptures came up into my mind, I could not but help stop at these words of Peter when he spoke to those people. When he said in Acts chapter 10 verse 42, He commanded us to preach. And you can sit here this morning and you say, yes, that's for Peter. Yes, that's for Paul. It's not for me. I want to say you're wrong. You're also commanded to preach, to proclaim the gospel. He says, go and make disciples, didn't he? To whom did he say that? He said it to all of them. He said it to you and to me to go and make disciples. How do you make disciples? You preach to them. You don't have to preach to a crowd. You say to a preacher, I'm not that kind of person who can stand up in a crowd. Yes, I know that. But you can speak to one person and you can proclaim the word of the Lord. Amen. So let's get into this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. Paul writes to this church. He says, for the message of the cross. Everybody say message of the cross. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You know that Greek word there for power is dunamis. It's the word dunamis. Dunamis has got so many few meanings in that. On the one hand is where we find our English word dynamite from. Dunamis is the foundation of dynamite. He says to them, this power of God, the gospel, the message of the cross is dynamite. It has got the same power that if I put a stick of dynamite in the middle of this room, I bet you my bottom dollar, I'm not a betting man, that you will run for the doors. Because you know the power of that dynamite, do you? Do you know the power of the dynamite? When you run when I light it, come on, say me, tell me. So why don't you then understand the power of God? The dunamis power of God. A second word that that word explained to us in English is dynamo. It's the same base. And dynamo means it's a dynamic power of God. Now Paul comes and he says, he says to this church in Corinth, he might as well say to the church down here in Cannon Downs in, in Melbourne, Australia, he might as well say to us, the message of the cross will be foolishness to the world. Do you agree with that? There's so many cars who goes down there. There's a buttons right next door. Let's stand up, everybody of us, and let's walk over and come preach this sermon in the car park there. Car park. I said it with my South African accent. Car park. <laughs> but let's go and preach it over there. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? 
There's going to be one old lady coming, not an old lady, one lady coming out. She's going to go to management and say, what's these people doing out there? Then somebody will come up to me and ask me, have you got a permit to do what you do? Am I right? I know I'm right. Because the message of the cross is foolishness to the world. Listen, the Bible says it's the fool who rejected there is a God. There is no God. But brothers and sisters, I'm not concentrating on the world today. I'm concentrating this morning on one thing. And that is the power of God. The dunamis of God. Romans chapter 1.16. Now, the same man Paul writes to another church in Rome. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Everybody say gospel of Christ. And can you see the message of the cross is the gospel of Christ. Why do you think I highlight them for you? The message of the cross is the gospel of Christ. The message of the cross is the gospel of Christ. It's where Jesus Christ died on a, on a cross for you and for me. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Why not, Paul? For it is the dunamis of God unto what now? Salvation. It is the dunamis. It's the power of God. I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, you can have nuclear bombs. You can have whatever you want to have. There ain't any power upon the face of the earth that is the same than the power of God, the dunamis of God. And I thank God that they can't misuse that power for any other reason. It is only for one thing and that's for salvation. It's for salvation. And again, if we think about this, it is the dynamite that comes into your life. I remember as a young man when the Lord saved my soul and I had, I, I had the realization of what's happened to my life. It was like dynamite in my life. It was like dynamite, but some people just stay there, honestly. Some people, if you talk to them, they say, Oh, yes, preacher, I got saved 20 years ago. Been there, done that tick. And then I say, But where are you today? Because you, you keep on talking about 20 years ago. But who knows that the Bible says you need to grow? Yes? That is where the dynamo comes in. What is a dynamo? It keeps from going on. It keeps from going on. And this is what he says. He says, I'm not ashamed of that gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Now he says, for everyone who believes. For everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Have you noticed he didn't say by a little bit of law and rules and faith? Have you noticed? Have you noticed that or is it just me? He says the just shall live by faith. I thank the Lord for the New Testament. Listen to me, that's the only thing you do this Sunday, this beautiful Sunday. Go home and thank God for the New Testament. Because the New Testament, he says, the just shall live by faith. The Old Testament, they tried to do it through the law. Now, by far, I'm not saying the law is done with. No, no, it is now the law of faith. 
the law of faith. It's not, not a new term I'm coining here. It is in the Bible. Don't search for it. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, I love this verse. Can you see where I'm going with this? He says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, remember Jesus is now with his disciples after his resurrection and he knows that he's going to go and ascend up on high and he stands with them and he talks with them and he says these words to them. He says, but you shall receive what? Dunamis. You shall receive power. You shall receive power. And look, man, I tell you, the Pentecostals like myself love this verse. Because they love to come into churches and show the power, the dynamite power. We're going to shake this roof. We're going to lift this roof. And we've seen all the things, didn't we? We're going to shake the foundations. Man, if, if the Spirit takes over, we're going, to, we're going to rock this place, they say. Man, let me tell you one thing here. Let's read it in context. Okay? Because if you read the context of the verse, you will understand what power he was talking about. And his salvation. He says, he says that you will receive power, the dunamis when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Where is the willpower in this, by the way? There's no willpower there. It's God's power. Can you see? It is the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. He's the only one. The only one who can give you this power. And here he says it now that he says, you will receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. Yes. You want to know the Greek word that is the word martyr. Martyr. What does martyr mean? It means that somebody who dies for a cause. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to receive power and set the world alive. No, no, you're going to receive power to testify and witness about Jesus Christ and the gospel, which is the power of God. And by the way, you will also be persecuted for that and you may also die for that. That's a different message, isn't it? Who's going to sign up for that now? Who's going to sign up for that now? You see, if I get excited, that thing goes off. That's the devil run. It is, but it's coming back, praise the Lord. <laughs> he went away, but he's coming back. Amen. Do you get what I'm saying today? We're talking about a power out of this world. And brothers and sisters, I've seen this power myself. I've prayed next to somebody and I've seen how the power of God came upon this person and the biggest miracle of all. I mean, we're preaching from a funeral home. I get it. There's some people who won't come to this church because we preach from a funeral home. And I say, God bless their hearts. Okay? But we preach from a dead home. If I bring in a dead body here and we pray for this body and, and miraculously this person stands up, I bet you next week they won't be placed here. I mean, people will be standing, they will have, you know, police directing the traffic, you know. Somebody was raised from the dead. Yeah? Am I right? I know I'm right. Because the world looks for sensationalists. Isn't it right? Praise God, I'm not called to be that sensationalist. But here is the, here is the massive thing. You know, when you pray next to somebody and you proclaim the gospel, which is the power of God, guess what happens? That power comes into that person's life. And the biggest miracle of all miracles happen. What? What? He makes a dead man alive in front of you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You should have shouted that. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Amen. I know I'm not, but I'm not going to make excuses for that. Because you're going to see what Paul says in a nice Greek word which I'm going to explain to you. In Acts chapter 10 now we find Paul, uh, uh, Peter. We find him, he's going to go to a man. We find this man in, in 42, he preached to this man. And we're going to visit this man in a minute. But in verse 42 he says, And he commanded us to preach to the people. This is Peter. He's now in the house of Cornelius. We're going to meet Cornelius in a minute, okay? But first of all, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify. Everybody say testify. So this is why I asked you this morning, is there anybody with a testimony? Yes, you need to testify that it is he who has ordained by God to be judged over the living and the dead. Oh, this is a powerful verse. This is so powerful. I mean, we can unpack this verse and just go into that. Who has been ordained by God? Jesus to do what? To judge the living and the dead. Yes, yes, world. Yes, people sleeping in the churches. The same Jesus that you are rejecting is going to do what? He's going to judge you. And every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. What? That is his so we find there's two words here which I want to hold out to you before we go and meet Cornelius. The first word there is commanded. He commanded us. The word there in Greek is, and brother, if you can help me out with a translation, I'll first say it is paragelio. Close, close to me. It is paragelio. You see, that's what happens if you say I'm Greek. You know, I'm going to pick on you now. It's paragelio. You know what paragelio means? It means to come alongside and to declare a message. That's what it means. You, you remember when we went to Parakletos. Who knows what Parakletos is? It is the word for Holy Spirit. Parakletos. Para come alongside and help. Parachute. Parachute. The shoot helps you. Paramedic. Para comes alongside and gives you medical attention. Greek is fantastic, man. It's a lovely. You know, if, if I, I say, Lord, if I come back and I won't come back in this life as, as a baby again, but I want to be a Greek. Yes. <laughs> I've got you now, brother. Here we go. I've got you, brother. Why? Because these words are so foundational, brothers and sisters. If that word para is there. You need to, when you see the word, I come alongside and I declare to you what? A message. He commanded you and me to come alongside people and to declare to them what? A message. This is what Peter is saying. And then the second word there is to preach. He comes to us and he says to us to preach. The word there is kiruso. Kiruso means to announce publicly. In other words, there's another word for it actually. It is the word to herald. Herald. And you know what herald means? If you think I'm loud, I need to be louder when I want to preach. I need to have ethos and pathos. Yes? Ethos is the word. No, no, logos is the word. Ethos is the credibility and pathos. Pathos is the passion. Brothers and sisters, never serve the Lord with a dead spirit inside of you. And here we come. So now Peter says these words. We meet this man now. Let's quickly look at Acts chapter 10. If you open up in Acts chapter 10. For those who were looking forward to me to talk about tongues today, I'm coming there. Wait, 
coming there. It says in verse 1, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. So I presume this man was an Italian, okay, from, from heritage, because he was looking after the Italian Regiment. A devout man, and one who feared God, with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. I want to show you what happens to people. This is a Gentile. He's not a Jew. Remember what he said. Paul said he came first for the Jews, then he came for the Gentiles. For the Jew first, and they rejected him, and then he came for the Gentiles. And here we find a Gentile. And we find a Gentile who is a devout man. He fears God, but he fears the God that he doesn't know. He doesn't know this God as the Jews know him. And there's another thing which is really good. He gave alms generously to people and he prayed to God always. Let me just say, brothers and sisters, none of those things that he did will save his soul. None of it. Because there's a lot of people who do that for the wrong reasons. There's a lot of good people in the world, have you noticed? And they're not all Christians. There's a lot of good people. I've heard somebody, you know, told me about a Buddhist who was a really nice person. Really nice person. Which will put a lot of Christians to shame in what they do, in their conduct, in their devoutness and everything. But does it make them safe? No. There's only one way to God, through Jesus Christ. There's not many roads that lead to Rome here. It's only Jesus. This man hasn't met him. He hasn't met him. He prayed to God and he didn't know. And I, I, want to, I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, out of the experience that I've seen and heard, there's a lot of people sitting in churches who still sit in churches. They devout. They pray. They sing hallelujah, but they haven't met Jesus yet. You say to me, why are you preaching on the streets? I'm preaching in the church because I believe there's people in the church who need to hear the gospel, the power of God. So here is this man. And verse 3 says, About the ninth hour of the day he saw clearly a vision of an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? Have you noticed he's afraid? What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your arms have come up for a memorial before God. I said to you before, all the things he did wasn't going to save him. He needed to come to the cross. He was crying out for the cross without him knowing crying out for the cross. But here is a wonderful thing that I want to, that I want to share with you, brothers and sisters. Even this man kept on praying to God. God started to take notice of him. Never pray and think that God's not taking notice of you. How long do you think he prayed? Five minute prayer? No, this is his lifestyle. This is what he did. And, and listen, this is a miracle because this is supposed to be a really hard, tough man. He was the leader of a regiment. You know, his environment was really not going for him. He had men that he, that he rubbed shoulders with during the week that, that was really rough. He could easily fall into that and go and say, yeah, no, I'll just be part of the crowd and I'll just do what the guys do. You know, the boys stuff. I'll do what the boys do. 
And he went on, he's going to ask me, why did you do that? Well, I did it because he said I should have done it. And he was him, and it was him, and it, he was all over. This is what's happening in our world. Listen to me, young people. Just keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Keep your eyes focused on brothers and sisters who walk with God. Take them as examples. Don't take the world as examples. This man keep on praying. And he says, this is a beautiful verse. He says, your prayers and your arms have come up for a memorial before God. Wouldn't it be wonderful and nice that when you stand one day before Jesus, He said, your constant prayers came up before me as a memorial. Wouldn't it be nice? That is so beautiful. And that, remember what I said, all He did couldn't save Him. He needed the cross. But He brought Him to the cross. He brought Him to God. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, if you've got your own Bible here, not a church one, underline this, okay? And take this off by heart. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Brothers and sisters, when I pray, when I pray, I, read, I say this prayer back to God in my prayers. You know, this says, now this is the confidence that we have in Him. Not in the world, not in the pastor, not in your church. This is the confidence we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, what happens? He hears us. But what is the key to those verses? Everything according to His will. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked for of Him. You know, the angel came to Cornelius and he says, God took notice of you. Your prayers came before Him. He heard you. And then after this we find, and I'm just going to save some time here, we find Peter, you know, you remember when he was on the rooftop and how this image came before him with the blanket coming down with the unclean animals and God told him that he was going to go and he had a little bit of an, uh, a discussion with God. He says, no, 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 I can't touch anything that's unclean. I'm not going to read that. But now we fast forward and we come to verse 34. In Acts chapter 10 verse 34, Peter then, he met these men that came from Cornelius and he went all the way to Cornelius' home. And I want you to remember something here. That Cornelius is a Gentile. Okay? He's a Gentile. Peter is a Jew. And they were not meant to be in the same house. In Acts 10.34, then Peter opened up his mouth and he said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. And everybody in this place say, Amen. Amen. That is so wonderful. God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears Him and works righteousness is accepted by Him. This is why a South African-born Kiwi, who is now living in Australia, can preach too. Indian people can preach to Greeks, can preach to Aussies, can preach to South Africans, can preach to whatever. He's not a respecter of person. There's more not one nation that he puts above other nations. He's got Israel, the apple of his eye. That's a different story. Yeah, he's not finished with Israel, by the way. We haven't replaced him. A different message. But I want you to look at this. Peter, he had a ready audience here. And this is why I ask you every single time when you come in here, are you ready to hear the word of the Lord? Are you ready? And you all say, yes, we are. And what do I say? I'm not going to disappoint you. 
Because I'm only giving you, give you the word of the Lord. Because that is my task. I can't give you anything else. I stand accountable to God. Yeah, everything I preach, I hear one hour and give account to Him. What did you say there? Where did that come from? But you are also accountable. Because you need to be ready. You see, some people are not ready. They're not in the moment. They come into church and they sit here. And when they sit, they just zone out, man. And you can go with your mind. And when they open up Bali now, yeah, I've heard about that one. See, I should go to Bali. I should check out those tickets of Bali. While the preacher is preaching it from the pulpit and God's power is in the place, your mind is all over the place. Yeah. He had a ready audience there. There was a great expectancy in the room. Here is this man, Cornelius, he prayed all his life. He has a hunger for God. He's, he's reaching out to God, but he just don't know how to get to the cross. He cries out to God daily. He says, Lord, he cries out to the salvation of God. He gives arms. He's so hungry, the expectancy is big in his heart. And here is the messenger from God. And he comes and he says, God commanded me to preach. These two needs to come together. So he had a great expectancy there. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 explains this expectancy. He says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that what he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. Brothers and sisters, are you still diligently seek the Lord? Are you? Are you? Are you getting lame in that? Because if you're going to seek Him here as a child of God and He commanded you to proclaim the gospel, the power of God, the dunamis of God's going to help you. There is people in the world today like Cornelius who's crying out. They cry out. And God shows no partiality. And I want you to understand the gravity here. The gravity of the situation. I don't think we understand it in the Western world. You see, the Jews would have been so mad at Peter at this point, going into a Gentile house, because the Jews believe that God is partial, and they still believe it today. They say, no, 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 wait a minute, they hold your horses. God chose us, we are the chosen nation, and it's true. And, and now, you see, this is the thing. If you do not walk in the counsel of God, you start walking in your own counsel and you think you're right. And that's the most dangerous place you can be. When you think you are right, but you're wrong. And this is what they started to do. They started building all these little laws and tricky things. We can't even touch the Gentiles. You, you know, it is true that if a Jew walked out of his house on his way to the synagogue and a Gentile walks past and they just, they just, bump into them by the shoulder by accident, what will happen? The Jew will return to his house and he will wash his whole body and will take new clothes, not those clothes, new clothes out of the cover, put it on and again he goes to the synagogue. I didn't make this up, can't read that. This is the gravity of the situation. You know a Jewish man would start the day by praying, thanking God that he's not a slave, Thanking God that he's not a Gentile and thanking God that he's not a woman. That's how they started to their days. Oh Lord, I'm so glad I'm not a Gentile. I'm a Jew. Partiality. There's still the same happen today. But you see the Gentiles eat back at them. Because the Jews didn't eat pork, did they? Pig. 
they say, oh, but you guys, you are pig worshippers, because you don't eat pork. And there's this infight that goes on, and, and constantly this little infight stops the gospel from being spread. And what does God do? He comes to Peter, he says, oh Peter, let me just show you this blanket coming down with all of these unclean animals. What God deemed clean, you can't deem unclean. And here he preaches this word and he says, that when he opened up his mouth, he says that God shows no partiality. Romans 2.11, for there is no partiality with God. Deuteronomy 10.17, if you want to go to the Old Testament, for the Lord your God is a God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality, nor takes a bribe. Why did I put the two together? The Old and the New, the Old Testament and the New? Because something happened between Deuteronomy 10, 17, which was given to the Jews only, not to the Gentiles, and Romans chapter 11. Something happened. Man happened. Man started to change God's word into his own acceptable form. Watch out for that. I have it. Verse 36. Peter preached to them, and here is a wonderful thing that's going to happen. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. You can find no peace except through Jesus. He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. And this is so true. These guys were not near. They had the gospel was preached and the message came to them. So they knew the word. In verse 38, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, and with power, who went about doing good and healing, and all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not all. Not to all, but to the people, to the witnesses chosen before God, and even to us who ate and drank with Him after He arose from the dead. And He commanded us to preach. These are words. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is He who ordained by God to be judged of the living and the dead. To Him all the prophets witness that. Through his name, whoever believes in him will receive the remission of sin. What did he do? Brothers and sisters, how did I start this sermon today? I talked to you about the gospel of Jesus. I talked to you about the foolishness of the message of the cross. All Peter did, he operated in God's dynamous power, which he received. He walked into a house of the Gentiles, no partiality, and he preached the gospel. The gospel. No theology. No taking out one word and now we try to form and, and, and misprove the word. No, no. He preached the gospel. He said Jesus Christ came to bring peace. He came to bring life to a lost world. He came to be the savior to a lost world. And he was killed for that. But praise God, he was risen from the grave. Is that a wonderful message? Is that the same message that you heard when you got saved? And here comes the climax. Here comes the crescendo. If you can see this band coming up and now we place the crescendo. I want to show you now the power of God. 
in front of guys the power of God. In verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, it's important, he didn't leave it out. It's not while he was still speaking. He says while he was still speaking what? These words. Now, I should have, but I didn't. But I'm pretty sure, and I'll check it, but I'm pretty sure if you're going to look at the word words there, it comes from the Greek word logos. I, I'm not sure, okay? I will come back to you next week and confirm. Or if somebody's got a, but I'm pretty sure it's the word logos. And if it is the word logos, I'm going to be so excited. Because that refers back to John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was that word, logos. While Peter was still speaking these words, what happened? What happened? The Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, I tell you one thing. For me to preach one day, I haven't seen this. I haven't seen this in the crowd. And I'm not looking, I'm not working towards that. But I can just imagine Peter standing there and he stands in the unction of the Holy Spirit and the power of God is with him. It's not his power, it's the power of God. And while Peter was still speaking the words of the gospel, whoa, the Holy Spirit comes and he falls upon those words the words. Oh, I get so excited about it. There ain't anything in the whole world that can excite me more than to hear and to see the power of God. The power of God. Listen to me. I don't know where you are, what you do, what you say, what trouble you're in, but I'm telling you today, what you need is the power of God. What you need is the life-changing power of God. You say to me, I'm safe, pastor, I'm all good. No, 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 you still need the power of God. Hallelujah. I don't want to go out of my house in the morning. Get onto the monash. Not the monash, the monash. Everybody moans about it. I don't want to get onto that monash without the power of God. I don't want to walk into my office without the power of God. I don't want to do anything in life without the power of God. And it's not the wishy-washy power which they say it's the Holy Spirit. It's the real power of God. The dunamis. The dunamis power of God. What happened here? That's what I said. You know, right away when I read this again. Lord, what happened here? While I was still speaking with these people, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the words. It fell upon them, it says. They believed the word and were saved. That's what's happened. They believed. They believed. Galatians 3 verse 2 says, This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? I want to ask you today in this church this morning, did you receive, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or the hearing of faith? It is so wonderful. Now, I'll finish off with this part. In verse 45, he says, And those of the circumcision who believed. Who were they? Jews. Remember what I said last week. The Jews are looking for a sign and the Greeks for? Wisdom. I love the Greeks. Brother, I love the Greeks. <laughs> I love the wisdom of the Greeks. But the Jews were looking for what? A sign. Now, here is Peter. 
The Jews looking for a sign. Here is those who came with him. He says it particularly those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Also. But remember how it was poured out on them. If you remember in the upper room, what came and sat on them? Tongues of fire. Glossa. Dialect. Tongues of fire came on them. What happened? That was for them a sign. Yeah, the, the, the Jews are looking for a sign. Lord, show us. Whenever they found Jesus, show us a sign that you show us, show us a sign. And then when God sent the Holy Spirit to them in the upper room, they came these tongues of fire, the glossa. And what happened? They went out and they spoke different glossa dialects, languages. Okay? And there were men around Jerusalem who could understand those languages. All of a sudden they were speaking in Afrikaans. Like, you understood that, yes. Now, I'm not going to try even to speak Italian because it will be a disaster. But that's what happened that day. But here I want to bring you to these people. What's different here? There's no tongues of fire coming down, have you noticed? There's no tongues that came down and sat on these people. Just how he spirit fell on them. How it happened, I, I wasn't there. There's no written there of tongues of fire came down. But because there's Jews there, what needed to happen? The sign. And here is the sign. It says it there. For they heard them speak in tongues and magnify God. The word there for tongues is again blossom, which means dilate. Now remember when I started off, he was from an Italian group, so I take it he was Italian by all. He wasn't Jew, he didn't speak Jewish or Galilean. So he himself might have talked a different, or the men there, or the family. But all of a sudden, these men were talking in dialect which they could understand. And for those circumcised Jews there, they went, that is it. It is the tongues which we experienced back in the day of Pentecost. Are you with me here? This is not a language which they, they spoke a heavenly language that nobody could understand and they need to be an outlay of the language. That was not that dance that day. It is clear as daylight there. These people were speaking, and here is the other thing. When they, when they said these dance, it was to magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid that these should be baptized who have raised, received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they asked him to stay a few days. And I would ask him to stay a few days as well. Ooh, that was a massive thing that happened. I would want to have him to stay the whole year. I want to hear everything now. I would sit him down. He wouldn't have time to sleep, man. I would come sit him here. I want everything. I want to know everything. You know, I was reading. I've heard about John the Baptist and all these people come. But man, what you brought here today. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, listen to me, the Spirit of God in you makes you desire a lot. Yeah? It makes you desire a lot. It's not you. I know, you, you're pretty, you've got a pretty face, you've got a pretty heart, you've, you've got a nice head. Yes, that's all good. But I'll tell you what, and I, I'll finish with, I've seen people, I've seen people with my own eyes, before and after. You always see these before and after photos, yeah, when people lose weight? Man, you've got the same. The old man and the new man. 
the old man, you know, you see the Spirit of God change them, they are born again, and then you see these people after. And, they, and, and the beauty, the beauty starts to come from the inside. And it clears people up from the inside. Drug addicts in the world need to come to Jesus. Because He will clean them up from the inside. Alcoholists, you need to come to Jesus. Whatever you conduct, you in murderers, you need to come to Jesus. You need to come because He is the one who will do it from the inside. I'm going to stop there. But I, I pray to God that you understand and you won't deny them the power of God, the dunamis of God. Are you operating in that power? Are you? You say, no, wait a minute, just hold back a little here. I ask you, are you operating in the power of God? The dunamis. You say, but I can't. You say that. You say that. Jesus said, you will receive power. Who? The pastors of the church? The elders? Only the brothers? Only the sisters? He says, you will receive power. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Uh, it is so true, Lord. I, I confess today the word. Hebrews 4 and 4 12, Lord, the word is living and it's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts between bone and marrow, spirit and soul, and it is the discerner of the heart. The discerner of the heart. And Father, it's so true.